This podcast being episode 11 of mm. Ribbon of Memes, a podcast where we mercilessly tie down and interrogate films previously described by other survivors as masterpieces. I have with me, as ever, the reanimated Roger. <laughs> I am Nick. And this week we have realised there was a hole in our schedule. We had managed to skip the year 1979. Eight. Eight. I knew I was getting it right. <laughs> <laughs> 79 <laughs> Wars Apocalypse now, even though it was filmed most in about 76, 77. It's and, confusing uh, because the film we're discussing was released uh, at different times in different areas of the world. I, I suppose that was common then. Um, but we have decided to drag our mouldering corpses into um, the horror genre, which we surprisingly haven't touched yet, even though a lot of the films have been horrible. Today we are going to be discussing not only our 1978 film, Dawn of the Dead, but we felt we couldn't really discuss it without its predecessor, <laughs> in all all um, senses of the word, the 1968 uh, ni- uh, film Night of the Living Dead, both George A. Romero films, responsible for a lot of culture that we experience nowadays. <laughs> um all right. Well, I, I guess we'll start uh, with the night before the dawn, shall we, Roger? Does that make yeah. sense? And I, I've got to say, my overall impression here is, wow. Now, you hadn't watched any Romero films before, had you? Or, uh, or certainly not any true. of the Of the Dead films. I had probably seen the occasional clip here and there, but... Uh... Well, this is interesting. Were they what you were expecting? Or was Night of the Living Dead what you were expecting? Given the fuss people made about it, I was expecting more gore. Um, mm. One of the things that occurred to me is that yeah, there, there are, I would say, three basic gory sequences there. Uh, and we can go back to that. But you, you, could, yes. you could make a cut without the actual gore effects. And uh, it would not be a whole lot shorter. <laughs> I mean, Tom Savini was involved in these films. so uh, I he, suspect was, he, he would... wasn't involved in this one. As no, far. that's true. He uh, did know Romero, uh, and he was offered some sort of work on this film, uh, but instead he got drafted. Oh, that's right. That's I had forgotten. Uh, and we will uh, come back to the effect that had on him. Um, <laughs> and the effect that had on his effect. Um, he did, uh, 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 this is a little aside before we get into the meat. <laughs> Tom Savini was involved in Night of the Living Dead, the remake, 30 years later. Um, I think he directed it. Um, <laughs> but let's worry about that later. That's more uh, influential. Night of the Living Dead was, um, I suppose, I don't know if you call it a gonzo film, but it was, a uh, very cheap shot uh, with many corners cut by young Turks straight out of film school, um, George Romero and his pal John Russo. Mm-hmm. They may not have been pals. They may not have been pals later, um, but they certainly were at the time of this who wrote the film. And they just wanted to do the best horror film ever, I think. On, on a budget sufficiently restricted that colour film stock was never an option. Yes, exactly, and also it meant they could use chocolate sauce, good old chocolate sauce. Mm-hmm. But you're right, the gore is not. And the, the, it's not there's the guy with the tire on it through his forehead. 
Fair yes. enough. Uh, there's, there's the body at the top of the stairs. Uh, there, yes, there's that whole eating scene after the truck explosion. Oh, so tragic. Which is probably, oh, the, well, which is probably the longest bit. And there's, there's the attack, uh, right at the end, uh, on, well, on, on Helen. But th- those are basically the scenes I would call gory. And they, I, I agree, they're not, well, they're the, the, and the, the only one of those that's longer than a few seconds is the, the easy after the truck explosion. Yes. And I totally agree. It's, they are not integral to the plot. Um, except maybe the horror of the, the, well, of the attack of the it, it's worth bearing in mind. The, the reason this film was saved from obscurity was because Roger Ebert whined about it. <laughs> because no, it, it came out just as the MPAA code was coming in. We've talked about this before, obviously. This is amazing. The, yes, the MPAA so rating actually, system, I should say. It came out like literally a few months before, or maybe a few weeks before, but it meant that seven-year-olds, nine-year-olds could go and just, yeah, it was shown just in watch days. this film. Yeah, And yeah. Ebert had a whole rant about this and did more to publicise the existence of this film than anything else could have so you know <laughs> i have to say well come on to that i'll just do a quick summary of the film okay. for those who are not aware though you should watch it um yes it, yes you uh, i mean you will know the drill by now in that the uh the undead have started the, the the recently dead have come back to life and are now preying upon the living they can only be killed by a blow to the head or by uh cutting off the head um or by setting them on fire well, by setting which is, fun. Which is go, generally much more fun. They go up very well. Um, if, <laughs> there is, uh, I'm slightly segueing out of my um, uh, summary here. Basically, we follow the antics, um, which is probably a much more cheerful <laughs> than required, <laughs> of the group, uh, a small group of survivors, um, principally following Ben and his opposition with Mr. Cooper, Harry, as they decide whether they should cower in the cellar or um, take their chances in the uh, main body of a f- an abandoned, recently abandoned farmhouse as the zombies attack and they try and survive the night. Spoiler, only one of them survives the night and he doesn't make it very much into the next <laughs> day either. <laughs> um, this, I mean, that, right from the start, it's a very, uh, to me, it's, it's, it is clearly a film that is kind of interested in people. The dialogue mm. is, is straight away a cut above. It's, uh, the acting, maybe not. I mean, the, none of these were people were professional actors, or or they were very. If, early if they in their were, career. they were first time or second timers. Yeah. Yes, and and sadly, with the possible exception of Dwayne Jones as Ben, who went on to have quite a good career in theatre and did a lot of other things. Most of the other people didn't, most of the other people in the film didn't really go on and do very much else, apart from George Romero himself. But I'm I'm, I'm, I'm segueing. For me, the, the opening scene in the car with Barbara and her brother, it's, it's a nice human scene, you know, he's just moaning about they've had to drive three hours to this graveyard mm-hmm. um, uh, to put flowers on their dad's grave, who he barely remembers. It's, uh, it's to me, it's good, efficient dialogue. We learn about who these characters are, a lot about them, very quickly, um, without a whole load of exposition. And then it's pretty quick into a zombie attack. Well, that's the thing. It, it, it's In a horror film up to this point, the people you meet first, they're going to be your hero couple. Uh, they, yeah. they, at least one of them is going to survive to the end, probably both. And he's well, dead. One of them in, does crop up again. <laughs> he's dead end. in ten minutes. She's catatonic for most of the rest of the film. <laughs> yeah, she plays almost no part 
in uh, in the rest of the film, she's just uh, fails a sanity check mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty early on, um, and yeah, uh, the the character we she runs off to the farmhouse. Uh, the the I was interested having seen. I mean, it's no spoiler to say that this film has been pretty influential on our current culture. Um, so it's interesting that throughout the film they're never referred to as zombies, which is famous in zombie films, mm. but they are. It's not that they never mentioned they are explicitly referred to as ghouls the whole way through, which yeah. somehow got dropped. Well, I, I, I'd like to drop back a minute here because um, White Zombie, 1932, uh, yes. could probably be regarded as the prototypical zombie film. And the villain is not the zombies. The threat is not the zombies. They, they are basically plantation slaves. The, the <laughs> villain is Bela Lugosi's murder le gendre. And <laughs> well, the, the pattern in in in... Basically, anything you could call a zombie film up to this point was much the same. You know, the witch doctor or whatever, the zombie master, is the villain. Yes. Well, and that's th- an this, interest- this film has a hole where the villain should be. Well, yeah, you mentioned this to me um, off, off air. Um, for me, my immediate response is, and probably remains, that the staple of kind of the modern uh, genre uh, movie, starting here is that, no, the zombies are not the villains, that's true. It's the people that are the villains, and the way they respond to the threat. Well, and it it's, is all it's about... not even that. It's it's more that the primary threat is not um, somebody is out there who wants to kill us. It is the environment has become hostile. It's, it's very much an individual a survival zombie doesn't film, matter. isn't it? And it's, I, I don't know if it's... I, uh, I mean, th- this is this closer, is... I think, to, you know, Scott of the Antarctic or something. Well, I was going to say it's, it's, it's getting close to things like disaster movies, which were approaching their heyday around yeah. about now. You know, these, the Towering Inferno and the Poseidon Adventure, um, Earthquake, well, all that. Uh, uh, the, the real peak was a bit after this, but before the, before yes, the dawn of yeah, the they're, they're yeah. approaching their heyday. I suppose. They're certainly but it's, it's, yeah. it's got much more in common with that. There is no villain to speak of. Um, hmm. But... Um, I suppose the difference here with your classic survival film would be that the plucky survivors don't band together to work out how to get out of this. Your plucky survivors bicker and argue and are wrong and kill each other and hurt each other, actively make a survivable situation fundamentally unsurvivable. Um, yeah, and which is a really interesting take. I'm sure we're not the first people to say this, but it, it was certainly very noticeable to me that the hero mm. is basically wrong in every decision he makes, <laughs> yes. and, and, he th- and those errors get people killed. That he's, he's he is so. This is Ben. Um, which we should not, um, as we, you know, it's, it's very clear. This is at the height of racial tensions. It's 1968 in America, played without fanfare or without really acknowledging it at all by a black actor. So we have a black leading man. Um, yeah, and that, well, okay, that, that's a slightly separate thing. But yeah, we, we've got the race riots in in the background. Yes. Uh, Martin Luther King gets murdered after this film is made, but only just. And that's that's a brave and and Romero's uh, and and what do we have? We have a black man and a white woman in a house alone. You know, yeah, ra- racist yeah. racist nightmare. But it's not it's not even. <laughs> and, and she, uh, given her state of of mind, she probably doesn't even notice. <laughs> exactly. And what is interesting about Ben is exactly aside from the fact he's black and it is never mentioned. And I've read some reviews that this film is about racism. 
And I would, I would disagree, really. It's not about racism. It is just a great film in that it just has a black person in it as a human being. Hmm. And a flawed human being. It doesn't, you know. I, and yeah, I mean, he, because... he, it, he, his, his decisions are not wrong because he is black. He is doing all the right hero things. Yes. He's just wrong. This isn't a situation <laughs> that calls for a hero. <laughs> he's framed in there. He's framed as a hero, but yes, yeah. he's, I mean, even from that perspective, he does some unheroic things, but they're sort of forgivable to a point, um, uh, given the situation he's in. And I think the reason Ben doesn't, you know, isn't acknowledged is it's, it's quite clear, you know, that the part was written much as Ripley in Alien was written for a man. Ben was written for a white guy. That's and, what it takes to get boring old filmmakers to, yeah. <laughs> well, well I c- contrast uh, the female characters who are all basically useless. In this film, and I think we may... Yeah. And uh, there, there's, a, there's a point where, a where uh, not, not Nasty Harry says, says something about all three of us working together, i.e. all three of us men working yes. together. And i got to say, I can't say he's wrong when he says that. In this, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, the, the female there, characters as they're written here are, yeah. Pretty much pointless. There is, I mean, the strongest female character in it is Helen, I suppose, um, uh, who is, uh, Mr. Cooper's wife, Helen Cooper. Um, uh, and she's only strong in the sense that she stands up to Harry as, uh, and his kind of, uh, Harry is, uh, um, well, okay, we'll talk about, I'll, we'll come on to that, I suppose. I, I'm skipping through the characters quickly because Ben <laughs> is interesting. As you say, he is, he is wrong in every, if they had listened to Harry, just gone down in the cellar, as Ben has to at the end of the film, mm-hmm. um, they would have survived. Or oh, all they would have had to deal with is, uh, the kid. Yes, and I think probably it would have been less tragic. Now, whether things would have turned out a bit differently, maybe, but probably not. Certainly all of Ben's plans. Harry complains that the, you know, the boarding up of the windows is shoddy. He's right. It does not take the zombies <laughs> much to get through that. Harry complains it's foolish to go out um and get the, uh try and uh, fuel up the, the van. He's absolutely right. There is no failure on Harry's part as to why that happens. In fact, I'm trying to remember quite how it goes wrong. It's Ben. They go out to fuel up the truck. Um, the, the key in the, the key for the locked uh, petrol pump doesn't work. That's right. They so, drop a Molotov cocktail a bit too close to the petrol. Well, no, pump no. They, sh- they shoot the thing off. So, 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 so there is spilled ben, petrol. Ben's and, and smooth the, idea to get rid of the lock is to shoot <laughs> to shoot it off on a petrol pump. Is that even mm. Ben? I'm not. I'm not saying. I think it, it's Ben that does that. I noticed. Uh, but film. anyway, yeah. So, so um, the other guy, whose name I've forgotten already, Tom, uh, <laughs> decides. Right. Well, um, <laughs> there is there is a fire next to the petrol pump. I will drive the truck away, not noticing the truck is already on fire. Yes, and then of course his um, his girlfriend, his beau Judy, refuses to get out of the car when it would be extremely helpful. No, no, get she, she gets stuck in her seatbelt. Oh, is that what happened? Well, that's <laughs> well, at not... least in the version I saw, I, I, I suspect there are different cuts of this. But there that, are that's different. We can talk about the unfortunate copyright incident with Nice of the Living Dead. I, <laughs> that does slightly bring me on to one of my... It's not a huge issue, and it is not so much an issue in Nice of the Living Dead, but with Romero's films, the action sequences are a little confused and a little confusing, I would say. It's sometimes hard to follow exactly what's going on. And I would forgive that more if I felt it was deliberate. It was supposed to be you're confused, like I think sometimes happens in Apocalypse Now. 
I'm not sure it's deliberate here. I, I think it's just perhaps a bit jankly edited and a bit hard. And that uh, maybe. Well, I'll, I'll come back to that a bit with Dawn, with, uh, Dawn of the Dead. But uh, he, here, I didn't really have a problem. Uh, well, part, yeah, partly because the general, what you might call the tactical situation, was fairly simple. You know, here, here <laughs> yes. is the house. Here is the entrance to the house. From there, you can get to the way down yes. to where the truck is. That kind of thing. It's a great role-playing um, scenario. Yes, um, uh, and has been many times. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think I've played and run in uh, very similar ones. If, if you want objections, um, why is the TV hidden away upstairs? Did they, did they, you know, drag it downstairs every time they wanted to watch it? I just assume that's something they did in the 60s. <laughs> and given that the authorities don't get organised till after dark, how come they're showing daytime footage of the, of the uh, zombie hunt? Uh, well, I assume that was the day before... <laughs> That they were further away, and they just approached this particular part of the. I got to say, though, uh, one particular moment for me that suddenly dated the film in a way that the, the hairstyles and all and the, the cars and all the rest of it didn't. Right, it's 1968. Soft furnishings are still flammable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, clearly there. <laughs> um, actually, the zombie hunt has one of my favourite lines in the whole film. I don't know why, but it is. Um, where they're talking about how difficult the dead are to fight, and the sheriff says, oh, they're dead, they're all messed up. Which, I don't know, just <laughs> always stuck with me through the years. Um, uh, but, so that, Ben, is, yeah, wrong on every level, despite being framed as a hero. He uh, he gets, he basically gets Tom and Judy killed. He, he personally kills Harry um, in a fit of rage. When Harry is, um, if this was a film played with different sympathies, and I think you mentioned this to me, and I think you're absolutely right, Harry is kind of the hero of the film, if he wasn't played in such an unlikable way. Yeah, I mean, he, he is fra- he is shown as an asshole. Yeah. He, he's, he's not saying, that's a bad idea, let's do this instead. He's just saying, that's a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah, and he also, he has the unpleasant characteristic of kind of punching down in that when he is upset and frustrated, he takes down his wife. Mm-hmm. Not physically, though you get the impression he might well have done it at some point in the past. Um, and so he, he is an unlikable character, despite all his suggestions being right. He... Um, and he's shouted down by Ben a lot of times, and he's, he, it's clear that he becomes nervous to stand up to Ben mm. until he, until he takes the gun off him, which doesn't go terribly, it <laughs> doesn't go terribly well for Harry. But that's, that's a really interesting, um, and it doesn't feel in any way like that is a racial thing. It, it just feels like no. they're two different, fundamentally different characters. Um, I mean, there are lots of opportunities where he could say something that would be, uh, let us say, racially influenced without being a blatant I am being a horrible racist, particularly in in, in the dialect of the era. And yes, he doesn't exactly because you know that's that wasn't what the script had. So Exactly. And it's almost I suppose if you want to be kind of social realist about it, it's almost unusual. It's very welcome. I didn't want to see it, but it's almost mm-hmm. unusual for the times that you would have thought that would have come up. But I'm not, that is not in any way a criticism, because I think it just, it's just wonderful to have a good black actor. And the acting is a little patchy in Night. I think um, Judy is probably not the best. I don't want to be desperately uh, rude about it. It's not the um, most demanding part. It's not the most demanding part. Tom has a very earnest part. Uh, I tell you, he is quite good in it. I, I they're, think they're, main... they're not subtle, complex characters. They're not. They're not. Um, <laughs> but they're well played. It's it's um, 
So, yeah, I, I suppose I'll, I'll go back to my original question. That you were, what is it that made you think it was really, uh, that you really enjoyed about Night of the Living Dead and that surprised you? I think it's that, it, that feeling that comes through to me at least of we are doing something that is basically new and different. Um, that, that moment where a guy is plainly shot through the chest and he doesn't even fall over. Yeah. And that is the yeah. first time that, that has been a thing. Mm. Well, I, <laughs> I, 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 sh- if... I should say, yeah, I mean, uh, The Last Man on Earth, AIP yes. 1964, not, not a good film. Um, a film the, based the, um, on I Am Legend, 1954. I Am Legend is a good book. I like, I like, uh, and, and I think that's one of the influences here, and the, the baddies are. It's a strong influence. Well, they're, they're not, uh, they're not infectious here, but they're spreading. And I think they, it takes they, some they... special way of killing them, you can't just casually shoot them. So I think Romero's that, acknowledged this was a remake, or, or basically ripped off. Uh, uh, however you want to put it, you know, it was a strong influence. But Romero's hmm. acknowledged it, and Matheson and it was an has even said, anyway. uh, <laughs> "Well, has said he, he wasn't that pleased with this film, but it was much better than the one." Yeah, well, the th- th- there was going to be a Hammer. <laughs> I am Legend, uh, where they actually had Matheson on to consult on the script and so on, but it fell through for various reasons, and the AIP ones what got made instead. And it's really only a, a very loose. That's yeah. a very made film, isn't it? Because we have the Omega Man as well, with Charlton Heston, and we have Will Smith in—I uh, forget what that's. That might actually be called. Um, uh, is it called Last Man on it? No, I don't, uh, don't recall. But, uh, what, what, one thing that uh, the, the the specialist in zombies will note here is, is it is all the dead. It, it does, yes, yeah. It doesn't doesn't matter whether you got bit by a zombie or not. If you if you are dead, you will be rising. I think the implication in the of the dead films is zombies are really septic, so it's not that you catch anything other than septicemia from a zombie <laughs> biting you. It's just that you're probably going to die if one bites you. Yeah, um, and anyone who dies will come back to life because that, that's I, one of the few zombie cliches that we haven't seen in these films. The idea that you know the the, the one tiny little zombie bite is going to doom you. Well, it's, yes. it sort of is in Dawn, but that's because it is a horribly toxic wound, not because it passes on the zombie disease. It's just, that's what, yeah. that's what I took from it, yes. Yeah. But we can talk about Dawn. Um, but here, uh, I mean, uh, one thing I thought would happen to me, and possibly to you, was that this, because this film sets up so many of the cliches that have been with us for, I don't know, 50 years now, it would have felt incredibly cliched itself. But I was surprised to find Night of the Living Dead doesn't maybe it's because it's black and white maybe that helps and quite short it's very clean it doesn't have lots of plot complications yes and it it is quite simplistic and 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 it's it sets up drama very well and you know a lot of the drama is internal conflict between the characters and there's external you know there's an external threat as well and that's Mm -hmm. a pretty good shorthand to good drama and it is well done the dialogue is is very nicely done that the characters although Barbara goes catatonic she kind of goes believably catatonic because you were with <laughs> her at the start you're pretty shocked yeah you can kind of understand why she's doing it um you can also understand Ben's irritation at that um <laughs> I, it's just there are no part where the characters don't feel true to themselves I mean, yes yes Ben does punch Barbara and knock her out but this yes. is after she she has been punching him and interfering with him boarding up the thing so I think we must count that as, as his, one of his few accurate decisions uh, <laughs> that's what I said. I, although he behaves badly at point, that one is a forgivable. I think shooting Harry 
I suppose you could argue it in the heat of the moment, but you get the impression he's wanted to do it right from the start, and he's just, <laughs> just taking his excuse. Um, Power then. stays on for a surprisingly long time. It does, doesn't it? I mean, this is, I suppose there were nuclear... Well, Not that's many. in... In Dawn of the Dead, again, I don't want to go too far ahead, they reference that the power is still on in the in the mall because of nuclear power. As far as I'm aware, an unmanned nuclear power station is not going to stay on for very long. Uh, typically within a week. I did some yeah. research on this for, you know, which oh, book. Okay, <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, basically, what, what, what I heard from the people on the job is, yeah, if there are people there, then, you know, Every few days there will be an alert of some sort and you say, okay, this needs a bit of intervention and we intervene and things keep running and it's fine. If there is nobody there to intervene, then the power will be off in a week. It will have gone into shutdown. Right, okay. What, like an automatic shutdown yeah. rather than a, a yeah. China? These things are sufficiently out of bounds that we put the thing into self-preservation mode. Right. Which has but its yes. own problems, but that's not relevant to this. <laughs> the other thing Go buy I my book. Vague- Vaguely, <laughs> go by Roger's book, all about this, uh, for girls. Um, uh, the other thing that I, I didn't surprise me, because I remembered, it's convention, I suppose, in modern zombie, I mean, this is the start of the modern zombie era, but it's convention now in modern zombie stories to not explain where the zombies came from. Well, here we get, I had remembered there was an explanation, but I remember it being a bit woolly, but actually as I watched the film, it's really, as explicit as it could be that these zombies have been reanimated from radiation from a probe that was sent to Venus um, and then destroyed in the Earth's atmosphere and, mm. and showered the Earth with bad undead radiation, which I thought was interesting. I, I'd forgotten how explicit it was about that. Yeah, well, um, it, I think it's one of the one of the characteristics one sees of this. Very, very often, the, the first one or two of a genre, uh, what gets copied is not the whole thing, but the stuff that's relatively easy to copy. Yeah. And, you know, p- picture yourself make, making a follow-up zombie film and, and you, you say, well, we, we can't do it about a space probe. Oh, let, let's just say they're all rising, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's no, it, doesn't doesn't because, matter why we're not going to fix that, so. And the honest answer is, that's true. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> um, because what you well, like is the characters to be dropped in this situation and quite often they just wouldn't understand why and what was the, the thing is, though, this isn't the end of the world, uh, the, the way Dawn of the Dead clearly is. You know, it, it's it's one night and then rescue is coming, or oh, in its yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that is a yeah, that is um, well. So this is a one of the reasons Romero wanted creative control was one. I mean, I, I, it's not like the the studios were knocking down his door to make this film, but also he wanted that. This is the darkest ending of any of the films we've watched, probably including. Badlands, including Bonnie and Clyde, I would say. <laughs> mm. um, this is the darkest ending of any of the films we've watched so far. It is, it is bleak, man. I mean, it ends with Ben basically responsible for the deaths of everyone, the possible exception of Barbara, who kind of kills herself um, <laughs> in the house, surviving the night, uh, coming up and being shot by... Uh, this is where I suppose I wonder if there is some element of race in it, because it looks remarkably like a sort of a lynching party that are coming round, and the black and white photos of Ben afterwards. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say you're wrong there, though possibly because of the last film we watched, and particularly the, the way the helicopter was involved, I got much more of a uh, search-and-destroy Vietnam feel out of that, you know. Yeah, Here yeah, is the, 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 the party of, let's face it, rednecks. Ad- yes, ad- advancing yeah. across the ground and their basic brief is kill anything that moves. 
You just stand there looking cute, and when something moves, you shoot. Uh, yes, I think that I, I, I would fully accept this film has been probably over-read and over-interpreted and over, uh, over-praised for its social conscience in a way that I'm not sure it was particularly shooting for at the time, honestly. I, I think they were just decent human beings made the film and, and, you know, gave, just treated people like humans, treated the characters like humans. I mean, like real humans, not mm. lionized them. I don't know that it, is particularly trying to say something about race, and I suspect a lot of people have overread that. I, I, I think, to be honest, I think if it had been trying to, it would have been very much more obvious, given how obvious it is about other things it is doing. Yes, and is it what we've um, we talked about this before with Jaws? What seems to work best for us, at least as viewers, for me and you, is when you've got primarily a film that isn't about that, but it just touches on kind of that, you know, Jaws touches upon uh, the class warfare a little bit, much less than the book, and it touches... Here's just a thing that was in people's minds at the time. Yeah, and I think, I feel this is this is a a, a rollicking good, I don't know, action. Mm. It's It's a really good horror film that touches upon some aspects, and I don't think racism particularly, but some aspects of just social dynamics, I think, really here. I'm not sure it has got a bigger thing to say, especially, other than these characters are recognisably flawed in ways that other humans we know are. Um, so I suppose moving on from the... Th- well, do you have anything else I, I, you want to I've say got about one the more thing to of say. the film? I've got one more thing to say about this film at all, to be honest. And that is that I'm pretty sure this is our first Bechdel test pass. I spotted that too. It's pretty lame, Bechdel test pass. But there is a moment in the basement of the cellar, I think, when Judith takes over from Helen and they have a discussion. I mean, to be fair, it's about childcare <laughs> rather than about a man. But they have Helen, a discussion. did she ask for me? Judy, she hasn't said anything. They are talking yeah. to each other about something that is not a man. <laughs> <laughs> It's, I mean, a discussion is rather a grand, grand term for two lines. The fact that we have, we're, what, 11? More than 11 films in. And we have one film that is vaguely touched on the Bechtel test is just about passed only by the very strict interpretation of the rules. Mm-hmm. You can see why, you can see why that's a frustrating thing for people, um, for, for women. Um, I, I totally understand. For that. people, let's face it. Well, for people, yeah, it's, it's, um, it is a shame because you're just losing so much rich drama and character. But there we go. Our first slightly close. And it comes in the form of a, uh, 1960s horror, uh, horror zombie, fi- zombie film. So mm-hmm. well done, George Romero. I mean, that is, that, to me, the fact that we even got close is a testament to, I don't know, the humanity and the, observance of George Romero. I mean, the, the, to be fair, though, the women in this film are not particularly well... They're otherwise horribly useless, yeah. But, treated, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I think it is strongly implied, at least, that the reason Helen gets got when she is is because she can't bring herself to, to raise a fist to her zombie child. So, you know. Yes. And we've probably got different... What with me being a parent and all. Um, I, you know, it does, that's, you know... Uh, well, that 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 is, that is a, a something of a recurring theme because that's what happens to Barbara at the end as well. I mean, the the idea that you can still recognise these people even if they they are not what who they used to be. Well, that is the implication. Although you say this isn't the end of the world, what we don't know because I think Dawn of the Dead, although coming ten years later, 
was in a different era. It is in some ways intended to be a direct sequel, and the reason... Well, we could move... Should we move on to... Have you got yeah. anything well, well, you want well, to say about my, Nigel? My that seems a good segue. That seems a good segue, because where we are ten years later, although, you know, you need somebody thinking, the implication is that although these zombies are dead and all messed up <laughs> they look like us and they look like our loved ones and people are having a hard time giving up their dead and people are having a hard time immediately immolating their dead which is suggested by the authorities and because mm. of that ah sorry that, um, yes that is just one last thing um the authorities are not your friend yes i uh, mean they, 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 they are the ones you. who are well yes but also they are the ones who are saying come to the rescue centers now, Whereas I, yes. that is clearly more dangerous than hiding in the cellar. <laughs> True. But I don't feel that was an actively malicious act. Um, it was just no, that, that is uh, a bumbling while they try and work out what's going on. And surely 2020 shows us nothing. That is not how authorities work in the face of a disaster. They clearly immediately put their best minds to work and do exactly what they're supposed to do right from the start. So, um, so 10 years later, Dawn of the Dead. 10 years later, George Romero made a... A lot of a lot of money on Night of the Living Dead, despite an unfortunate copyright incident. It was actually the cinema that the film was changed from Night of the Flesh Eaters because there was already a film called that to Night of the Living Dead. Unfortunately, when they replaced the copyright, they replaced the card with Night of the Living Dead. It didn't say copyright on it. And, and the law at the time, you had to assert it explicitly. Which has so, thankfully changed now. Not only um, did it become public domain almost immediately, um, an awful lot of other films. Uh, incorporate footage from it. Which is why you can buy, if you do such things as buy DVDs anymore, you can buy about 30 different versions of Night of the Living Dead. Or just um, pull it from archive.org. Or exactly, yeah, it's freely available online in many different Watch ways. this film, it's really good. I Definitely, it is very good. And I say I'm that very... as really not a gore or horror fan as in, in the general case. I was, um, I'm, uh, I'm very pleased to have made another Romero fan, or at least a fan <laughs> of this film. Um, which uh, is very worthy of, of love. Um, Dawn of the Dead. Um, ten years later, uh, Romero actually gets a budget. Not a huge one, by colour. the standards, but he actually gets a budget and colour. He gets some more established actors, at least some, to play the main roles. And, um, and a bit less control. And a bit less control, which... Because uh, may... Dario Argento was as part of the... Uh... Uh, financing and obviously as a director himself he, he had ideas about how the thing should work. Yes, yes. So it was, um, it was more, well, I don't want to say Hollywood, but yes, yeah, certainly more traditional filmmaking. But the, this also existed a bunch of different cuts. Uh, mm. the one I watched, I got off the BBC some years ago and it was a four to three aspect ratio, 139 minutes long, which doesn't match any of the cuts I found. So, you know, I, who knows? I have, I, exactly, it's hard. Mine has the goblin, uh, soundtrack, yeah, which apparently, and, yeah, and, and mine was, yeah, mine was, I can't remember, but it was over two hours, two and a half hours actually. But mine is a DVD that we bought many years ago. I, this, so Dawn of the Dead has a special place in my heart. I had just qualified as a vet. I'm just feeling a bit sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and trying to rediscover, rediscover some of my geeky roots. And I had heard people talking about the Romero zombie films, and I wasn't a particularly gore fan or a horror fan at the time but I thought I would try Dawn of the Dead um, bought the DVD as you did back in uh, the nineteen, the late 1990s mm. and was just blown away by it um, 
I just, I, it wasn't at all what I was expecting. Much as you found, I suppose, with Night of the Living Dead, um, I then went back to Night of the Living Dead. But Dawn, to some extent, uh, that, that, you have to remember, back in the very early 2000s, the late 90s, not everyone was obsessed with fucking zombies all the time. And so <laughs> that was a sort of a secret pleasure of mine. And I know it's a geek refrain that I liked this before any of you did. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, well, you know, I was playing Call of Cthulhu in the 1980s, so. <laughs> uh, so was I, in my mm-hmm. defense, but probably in the later 80s than you. Um, uh, but because of that, and maybe I like Dawn more than I should. I'm wondering how I'm going to feel after this discussion. Um, but I, I didn't like it as much as Night. I did well, like it. You're going to let me in gently there. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the honest answer, well... We, we, there, there, are things, there are things it does very right, and, and it does an awful lot of things very right, and I don't want to devalue that. I, I don't think the things it gets wrong um, should impair the appreciation of the things it gets right. And, and obviously when I say right and wrong, I'm talking in terms of my perception anyway. So, yes, yes. There's no, there's no right or wrong, of course. I, for me, I suppose if we're doing a quick summary before we get into it, I think Dawn of the Dead is, um, it's a longer film, which I know counts <laughs> against, well, I, I'm, I'm starting to think that, that the longer a film goes over 90 minutes, the worse it is. I, there are very few films that could not be better told in 90 minutes <laughs> and Hitchcock's old maxim was no film should be longer than the capacity of a human bladder and I think he was <laughs> there's a bit of variability right. there there is a bit of variability I think you should work to the lowest common denominator but anyway sh- sh- shall we have an unhelpful summary of the plot an unhelpful summary of this plot four friends go shopping during a zombie apocalypse um, <laughs> the the events of Night of the Living Dead have progressed largely because people cannot get their act together and kill their loved ones once they rise from the dead. Things go wrong. Um, are are heroes, and they are more. They're not traditional heroes, but they're more heroic than the characters in Night of the Living Dead. Are well, they're, they're much more. Um, I think this this was a film that was more directly imitated. They they are much more. Here are a bunch of people who happen to be in the right place and now mm. have to work together. You know, here here are the two people from the TV studio. Here are the two cops. Yes. So we have um, Peter and Roger, the two cops. Again, Ken Ferry, a black actor in a prominent role, who is who is both the hero in a lot of ways of the film and also is wrong in a lot of ways. He's the one that persuades them to stay in the mall in the first place. And although he does, he is he's kind of the father figure and the wise figure, but he is not he's not right <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um, we have Stephen um, or Flyboy. Um, the helicopter pilot, Roger, the, his SWAT companion, and Fran, who is, I think, a much better fleshed out and much more interesting female character. Yeah, I, yeah, I, with, I felt she really ought to be a much more th- sympathetic character, but I didn't really find her so. Um, poss- okay. Possibly because of one particular moment when the guy says, run, and she doesn't run. <laughs> the remote, yes. In her um, favour. She is pregnant and she does not give birth during the film, which is yes. such a classic cliche thing. I'm really glad it wasn't here. That was, yeah, I thought that was, uh, I, it made me realize they're in the mall for much less, less time. So they, they escape Pittsburgh. They have some incidents at, um, uh, trying to refuel. They realize refueling their initial plan seems to be to head to Canada. They realize it's, it's what you do when, when you're scared of things in the US, right? Of course, yeah, because there's no zombies in Canada. Um, hey, excuse lot, me, that, could I have your brains, eh? <laughs> <laughs> this and and, and that 
itself has become a bit of a convention in zombie movies to flee to the north. And in later zombie movies, that's been... Uh, the idea is that zombies have no thermoregulation system and they're just going to freeze solids if it gets cold enough. Well, um, we, we do idea, meet but... uh, the, the two other looting cops who, who are basically heading for an island. Yes. And that makes a certain amount of sense as well. Yes, and, and again, has, that has been copied. Interesting, the... the um, the lead looter, the, the, the kind of captain of that boat, turns up in a very prominent role in the sequel to this film, Day of the Dead, um, mm-hmm. which uh, I wouldn't recommend as a masterpiece. It's still very good, but it's, it's not really of the level of Night and Dawn, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, um, so they, but but we, we drop straight into the middle of this. I mean, there, there isn't any of this introductory stuff in the graveyard equivalent. We, I, I think possibly because... As you say, Night was successful, it was famous. I, I, don't, I find it hard to regard this as a, as a direct sequel to it, because there's no continuity of character or plot or anything, other than well, the zombies are rising. But nobody here talks about why they are rising. It's just, here is this thing that is happening. And no, the audience and is assumed film, to understand that we know how this kind of thing works. I suppose that's why I feel they appear, they occur in the same world, um, it's just they a could. few weeks or months down the line. But what I like is yes, and as we talked about sort of offline, you don't need to have seen night to have seen to see dawn because there is no continuity. But it helps because you understand at least the situation they're in. The zombies all work the same, whether the cause is yeah. different or not, and the people are the same type of flawed people, and the authorities are responding in a very similar way. So to me, there's a lot of touchstones that that hit night but there are there are it's certainly th- this th- is a viral infection uh, yes exactly um and similarly day of the dead is very similar it's you're assumed to know what's happened only this is much further on in the zombie apocalypse hmm. um so, so one of the things i really like uh at the start is that the tv station is shutting down not because the zombies are breaking in or anything like that which which would be easy but because yes. people are simply saying what's the point you know we don't have up-to-date data to give. What is the point of pumping out this crap just to keep people watching? Well, that's where Fran, you know, I, I, I like her as a character. You know, she is, you know, we're actively putting out old days. These people are going to get killed if they try and go to these safe houses. Whereas the, the station oh, another, another, is... another Bechtel thing. The person she's talking to giving her the, giving her the list of safe houses is also female. Oh, goodness. Yeah, we have a double <laughs> Even more interesting conversation. But the station manager in this... um uh, is still interested in the ratings. People will switch off if we're not showing them mm-hmm. as if that matters anymore. And he, I like the way that. Well, it, it is. It is one of the classic reactions to trauma. You know, I, I would just keep oh. going down the grooves I'm familiar with. Yes, I, I love the opening. I love the, uh, the you know, I, I all throughout the of the dead films, I love the kind of intervention. Well, it kind of stops here, honestly, because there is no authority <laughs> after Dawn of the Dead. Um, but the 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 TV um, that the, the I don't know. I just love that background radio and them talking about it and everyone worrying about it. And the characters are, uh, are desperately fixated on it, but also have got their own problems. So mm. it's just, it's nice. Um, where the film takes a turn for the worst for me is the SWAT assault of the building. And th- this is where I it really, I mean, I mentioned it in night and, and the reason I talked about it in night, the action sequences are a bit confusing is because we both came away with different ideas of quite what had happened in one of the action sequences. I think. To be fair, that's probably we watched different cuts of the film, or mm. we just had it. The, the seatbelt right? thing was an explicit line in the version of Night I Watch. Okay, so, so that wasn't in the one I yeah. watched. So I, I think I think you're probably right. It's much tighter, Night. For me, the SWAT sequence 
uh, it, it's a bit yeah, like the very I, opening. I, I had I had to rewatch to work out what happened to racist cop. Exactly, and I feel the acting is patchy here. Racist cop. It's not a good actor, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just, it's not well done. And the I, there's probably a character on, name, but let's face it, that's what, that's what he is. That's who he is. I wouldn't have been surprised if it came up in the, in the credits as that. Um, he's, um, his lines are a bit repetitious as well. I don't know if that was the script, but he says mm. the same thing a few times. Um, and that happens a couple of times in the SWAT sequence, which just brings me out of it a bit. I didn't really understand what was happening. Um, there are lines earlier where they say people don't want to give up their dead, and uh, but they're talking about some kind of almost drug lord or something. He doesn't want Martinez. I think it's Martinez. I it, I found the sequence confusing, and I also so as to what was going on. But I don't mind that if you can yeah. Catch I, up. I, I the impression I got was that this, this the the triggering incident was you got dead people in there. We want them out to burn them. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the people in, in the block saying, no, no, they are dead. Yes. Well, like, and sort of be, because no, together. because nobody on either side is, is really saying, well, no, hang on, they're going to murder you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, they're just saying, you know, here, I am the authority figure, do what I say. Yes. And, and so it's, it's badly handled. Um, but all, I, I don't know. It's hard to know quite how far we are down the route of civilization or collapse, but racist cop is behaving in a way. You know, that just, that is not a cop. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I don't know what kind of cop would behave like that unless the world had literally ended. I, I will point out that both our sympathetic police characters are very good at shooting non-white people in the head. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is a very good point. Well, that's it. This is a, a kind of a slow, it's, a, it's one of the projects, I suppose. Um, I don't know when they were set up, 50s or 60s. I know they were uniformly a disaster, but um, they didn't... Uh, I, I don't know if it's trying to make a point about class war or what. Um, it, it does... I, I mean, I think it does touch on authority versus how the underprivileged would deal with that. I just don't think it does it very well in this sequence. I was confused by who was where and what was happening mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And Yeah. And, be- because that, that in particular, that, that needs to be, it, it needs to have a sense of place to show you this guy's over here, that guy's over there. Mm. This is why they meet here where they do, because they're coming in from different places. And, you know, all yes. the corridors look the same. Well, that, and that exactly as I was, uh, well, that's, I, I guess you just articulated much better than me, but Kevin Reed's character just sort of pops up in a basement. Uh, you know, Peter, mm. it's just, I, and I found it all confused. I don't want really to dump on this too much. I just, uh, that sequence didn't work that well for me, but it is where the gore really starts as mm. well. Yeah. Um, and m- much more than Night of the Living Dead. I, I don't think you could make a non-gory cut of this and have much left, to be honest, because it's, it's kind it, of a lot of the point. It's the point. And you, I, you could I, still have a coherent story, but it would, it would be a significantly less good film. Well, I don't know. To me, it's somewhat to its detriment, and that's maybe I don't know. I don't like bright red blood in films. It just yeah, bothers me. It's and just I know that so distracting. It, it, it's saying this yeah. is a cartoon. This is you know. Yeah, and I, apparently Romero was like, I want this to be a bit cartoonish, and it just makes it feel cartoonish. It doesn't look realistic. It, so as soon as that color blood comes out, I'm looking at it as an effect rather than mm. oh goodness that that's that's something which awful which really wasn't someone. okay i think i think we can talk about tom savini now yes okay <laughs> because by tom. this point tom savini had come back from vietnam uh mm-hmm. where he was i believe mostly a photographer and yeah i basically he'd seen a whole lot of dead bodies 
And he knew what they looked like, and it wasn't the, you know, I'm going to lie here neatly with my eyes closed that film would usually say, you know, say, there's, there's, there's guys with one eye closed, one eye open. There's, there's people grinning because of the way the muscles contracted. Yes, there's people who've, who've messed themselves. There's people covered in all manner of horrible things. Yes, exactly. He was not happy about the colour of blood, and I think Romero uh, was. Um, hmm. the, the, I, this but, wasn't this wasn't his first uh, special effects work, obviously. Um, I th- but I think this was his first one, first film being in charge of. All he the was supervisor, or what? He was the boss of special yeah. effects, however you put it. Um, I mean, the effects are really. Um, they're they're very good. I mean, they're very gruesome. I love that kind of um, real effect work. I'm just taken out of it by the colour of blood. So, mm. like, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, the bite well, you know, both of us have seen a certain amount of the real stuff. So, well, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, um <laughs> sorry, I was just thinking of anyway. Never mind. Um, I no, no, no. I, there's no statute of limitations. We talk about that a lot of the time. <laughs> the other um, the other thing that slightly takes me out of it with the effects is that people. In this film, zombies are, we've kind of established in night that zombies are not that strong. They just, they have strength in numbers. Hmm. But here, when they touch people, people just kind of fall apart. <laughs> you know, their arms fall off or their guns yeah. fall out. And but I, but I, there's, there's a lot of, what what I, I see as explicit comedy here. Yeah. I mean, I there's accidental right. comedy in night. But here we've got you know, th- things like the whole, you know, we're running through the mall with a squeaky trolley. Yeah, um, yeah, and we're just sort of shoulder charging them and just knocking them out of the way casually. Yes, yeah, um, um, yeah, yeah. They, they. Well, I think that's yeah, that's a good. Uh, the other thing, I mean, the blood pressure monitor. Your blood pressure is not going to increase if your arm has been removed. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, well, I think that aside, because I feel like we've been a bit down on it now. Um, the effects are really they're very graphic and they're very fun. In a way, to me, that's what they, I think you're quite right. They're kind of comedic in a way. They're not the true horror of the film. In some ways, they're almost like relief, like, oh, we're going to have a fun effect now. To me, they, yeah. they, they are not part of the horror of it. And I think, I couldn't quite track down Pauline Kale's reviews, but I think she said something similar that, that it's, um, she basically she relax the, a bit. Yeah. Uh, she, she didn't give Knight a full review though, though she did find it, uh, actually frightening. This, this she, uh, I, w- I would summarise as basically found it spectacle, yes, m- more th- more than horror. Yes, and I f- I I feel there is horror in Dawn, but it's not in the gore uh, for me. And I've never been a huge fan of gore, and I remain not a huge fan of gore. Um, and I like it even less the more realistic it gets. <laughs> so I, I must say, um, so, I, I, I mean, I'm sh- I'm sure we're not the only people to say this, but I, I want to say it anyway. The fact that it is a pra- it is always a practical effect, not not something scribbled on the negative or obviously later years CGI, gives it a weight and a reality, and it's mu- it's really hard to get the momentum right in yes. in, in the computer modelling. I don't yeah, know wh- I, I don't know why because it's it it doesn't seem that hard when I've done it with physics engines myself, but there's something about I the process of laying it on film it just never quite lines up for me. Maybe. You know, we notice the ones that don't work in CGI and, and some of the others. We do. I mean, I mm. think it's getting better, but there will come a point where it's photorealistic and indistinct. But also, of course, you've, you've got an actor who has actually just had blood sprayed on their face, even if it's fake blood, and they yeah, react to that, and that, that feels more real Rather in itself. Here is a lollipop on a stick, please react to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay, and very good actors struggle with that. Um, 
Sometimes very good actors struggle more with it. <laughs> I would mm. say. Um, moving on to the character, we haven't talked about the character that they uh, escape to the mall and they decide to stay there, and it becomes it moves from a, a kind of a, a I don't know if it's a satire at the beginning, but a, an examination of how media works to a slightly heavy-handed satire of consumerism. And I think this, unlike Night, where I think people overread it, I really do think Dawn is definitely trying to go for a satire of we're all zombies this is where we go look we walk around malls a bit like this um yeah they're specifically saying you know this was a place that was important to them in life and that's why they're coming here even when there isn't prey to be found yes and i am i right in thinking you didn't find that worked so well for you yeah um i think it's because the satire at the beginning and end i thought worked really well and had a relatively light touch to it i mean yes the the stuff in the tv station is doing is is the satire of a TV station that I wanted network to be <laughs> <laughs> a zombie attack. I completely agree. Um, the stuff with the cops, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work. It's a bit heavy handed, but it's it's still basically here. Here is a satire of the heroic law enforcers to some extent. Yes, yeah, and e- even the fleeing like fleeing on the helicopter and, re- and refueling and stuff that that still basically works for me. But w- but when it gets into the mall and it suddenly it slows down and we've got here is the funny shot of the, of all those zombies going bang, bang, bang on the plate glass, just like the, those crowds for the, for the yeah. uh, Thanksgiving sales or whatever it is, Black Friday. It uh, plays that a bit. I mean, not only does, um, Peter's character explicitly say it, it is, um, yeah, it's very clear that we're the zombies and they're the zombies and, and just, yeah. And, and I found that much more heavy handed. I agree. In, in retrospect, I agree. It, it really does fit. And I don't think it's wrong. And I think it's an interesting point. It's just, well, maybe it, that is my problem. I'm not sure it is an interesting point. It, it also doesn't help the pace. I mean, up to that point, they, they, it's basically been, here is a thing. We've got to deal with this thing and then go on, then go on. Uh, there, there's mm. always a strict time constraint. Yeah. We, we've got. And to, then now suddenly, much to Fran's it, disgust, the, the, we clock, are the here. clock is it's entirely in their here. hands. Yeah. They, they, uh, another thing happens, but they don't know about that. They, they, yeah, they, they can decide, okay, we, we're gonna have these uh, barricades. We're gonna wipe out all the zombies inside the mall once no more can get in. Yes. And, and I think. And then, yeah, they, they have the clock. This, this is in a gaming sense. It's you've handed things over to the PCs and said, okay, here, here is the catalog. Go and prepare yourselves. Yes. <laughs> in, a, in a game that can work. Because it's interactive. Yes, exactly. Whereas when we're just watching it, I I don't know, because the plan isn't... And again, sometimes it's a little unclear at points quite well. The the whole sequence with the trucks, with the articulated lorries, it's not... It's vague. I think there's one line of dialogue where they say something like, we can use the trucks to block the entrances, but blink and you'd miss it. And... And it's and also a bit later on, they have actual grills they can bring down over the entrances, so why not just use those? It's, I, it's a little confusing to me why they went to the whole trouble of the trucks when the zombies can walk under them, and they do. Mm-hmm. There's just, I think, again, there's one line of dialogue where he says, well, they haven't got the strength. They can't, basically, I think the idea is you can't get a horde of zombies behind the doors and they can't all push yeah. against it because there's a lorry in the way. But it's, you have to kind of think it through. It's, it's not, uh, clearly exposed. The, the reason, so I, I feel like we've been very down on Dawn. The reason Dawn works for me, and I love it, is the characters. I, mm. I do, they, they are, uh, they're flawed. They're human. I like Fran who, you know, who takes every opportunity to remind everyone she's not just the den mother. Um, 
in some ways that fails a bit because she doesn't do a lot else. Mm. <laughs> so although she's refusing to take on the maternal role, which I'd love that, she doesn't really help in other ways until right at the end. Mm. And I, that, you know, where she says, I want to learn to fly that chopper. That's a great, I'd love that really proactive moment of it, but they are few and far between for Fran. And, and we I, have, we have to note that that is the direct cause of, of the biker gang saying, Hey, there's somebody living in this mall. Let's go have some of that for ourselves. <laughs> yes, we have to say, yes. If she hadn't done that, then they, they may have survived somewhat longer. But I, I love the interaction with those characters. They're not friends. They're not really lovers by the end of it. They're, they're comrades in arms mm. who have some respect for each other, some disrespect. They're not the outright enemies of Knights of the Living Dead, but they are, they are interesting and likable characters. And, and the reason Dawn works for me. And, and in some ways, I think the reason, the other reason Dawn works for me is it's an exciting fantasy. What would you do in this world? And they do a very exciting thing. Mm. You know, they take over this mall and they have got everything they wanted. Um, and they execute a plan. It works perfectly. They, they have the keys to the kingdom. Again, another line from the film. Um, and that's, that's exciting as well. You know, from my role playing, uh, bones. Tingle with that. That's a strange way of putting it. But it, it makes me think, oh, this is an exciting world to live in. Look at these people. They're, they're, they're living an exciting life. And then one, one of the elements there. of role playing has been described as fantasy shopping. So. <laughs> well, this is literally there. Um, and then it punctures it with, um, well, they've got everything they want. And again, this is a slightly heavy handed. It's a continuation of the slightly heavy handed. Well, you've got everything you want. It doesn't really mean anything without. You know, it, it, it in itself has no meaning, and and you can't draw meaning from. Yeah, though, though, when the bikers turn up, for me, that's when it picks up again. Because here we've got, you know, look, look at what the bikers take when they break in and loot. They're grabbing, you know, the jewelry. They expect yeah, the TVs, the, the expensive stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and you see again another line from the film. It's like, what are you gonna, what are you going to watch on that TV? And then he decides to take a sledgehammer to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I. I like all the guys. You know, Peter is um, is kind of the heroic character, but he, he's he kind of leads them astray. Stephen is he, the flyboy. Um, spends much of the time grumpy because of Fran. Um, I like uh, one. Um, I I don't want to go about everything. I like, also, because like he has incompetence firearms. To be fair, he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I won't go ad nauseum about the characters, but I do. I think one of the f- Another flaw. I feel like we're dumping on Dawn. I'm feeling very bad. One of the flaws <laughs> of the film is it really signposts when one of our heroes is going to die because yeah. it's like this person is acting out of character, out of, out of norm and is now going to die. It does it very strongly with, um, with Roger, who mm. is obviously overtaken with hubris as they're, as they're doing the, uh, uh, as they're doing the articulated lorry movement. Yeah. They're not articulated. Uh, they're not articulated. Um, and, it dies as a function of it. Mm-hmm. It's very well. I love the acting. I love the scene where he's like, I'm going to try not to come back. Um, but he does anyway. <laughs> um, and yeah, that, that works them. rather well. The, the idea that uh, he can make all the effort he likes and it counts for absolutely nothing. Yeah, that is, that is a really nice scene. He's, I'm going to try not to come back. Um, and similarly with Flyboy, with Stephen, he is, uh, I can't think of the sin. Um, but his sin is that he wants to keep all these possessions that don't mean anything. He won it. It's ours. You can't take it from us. Mm. And that's why he dies. And I feel that is different to Knight in that Knight doesn't really care whether you're sinning or not. You're just going <laughs> to, you are up against trouble and you're going to die. Whereas our heroes in this film 
sin and are punished for it. Um, yeah, so so in a way, you, you could say that's um, prefiguring the the slasher, and you know yes. the, the Halloween. You 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 die in a descending order of moral turpitude. <laughs> exactly, and that that is um maybe that felt like a cliche, but maybe it wasn't then. In fact, it didn't. This was before mm. Halloween, which was the I, mother I, of all slasher films. Gotta say, in terms of um, death sequences, that that whole thing in the lift that is just yeah. superb. With with them um, with uh, Stephen, mm. um, it's amazing, isn't it? And and just him as a zombie. Yeah, that, that fight, that desperate fight, and you really, there is it, well, it's because, I don't know, I cared about him, I wanted him to get out, even though you know he's been bitten, you think he's, you think he's gone, and he fights his way through, and it's all for nothing. In fact, the fact that he actually fights his way out is the doom for all of them, because mm-hmm. he's the zombie that knows. There's enough knows brain the left secret. that he can find the hidden stairwell. Yeah, yeah. that is, yeah, I agree, that is a, that is really nice sequence. How do you, uh, should we talk about the, Biker attack at the end. How did you feel about that? Yeah, That's well, picked up as I say, for for me, I'm, a, a the pace is is picking up again, but B, it's 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 a class war satire that for me works better than the consumerism satire. Right? Yeah, yeah. We don't like people who don't share. But you know, from from, from all right, I'm going to get all pretentious here and saying from from a Marxist <laughs> point of view, um, the bourgeoisie and the workers have to regard each other as the enemy. Yeah. So, okay. th- so that they don't take on the real enemy of the aristocracy. Well, and and the aristocracy in this. Well, in, but it, it's a similar thing, you know. They, 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 they suddenly focus entirely on each other, and all the gains made against the zombies are lost. Yes, yeah, that is, because they both, each of them is concentrating on. We want this more for us, and we're going to deal with you guys, and so neglecting I've, the zombies as a hazard. I, I totally agree with you. I hadn't considered it in those terms. I mean, obviously, I've seen it. Um, and the fact that I hadn't means that that's a satire, either that was unintentional or I think more likely has a much lighter touch than the consumerism one. They, Dawn of the Dead is really remembered for the satire of consumerism. Mm. But I agree, this works much better. And, you know, if if I'd been 19 when I'd watched it, I'd probably have really enjoyed that. I, yeah. I like I like a bit a bit more subtlety ten, generally these days. That's a really good reading. Um, yes, yeah, that's, it's, it's a, it's a very good ending secret. It's, um. Not the original uh, planned ending. I, I think we should mention this. Uh. Well, right at the, I mean, they, just, just going back to the, the biker attack, yeah, it does yeah. become a bit like, I mean, as well as on celluloid, Tom Savini's turned up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's in the, like, the, the guy with the machete. And, yeah. And now we, are getting all the special effects. Um, and again, I enjoy it because it's, it's, it's fun and it's fun, but it's a bit too cartoonish for me. Mm. Um, again, I, it feels I, like comedy. Whereas, the, as you say, the lift attack really doesn't. That is, that is really good. Mm. Um, and then we lose all the comedy as the, uh, as that fades away and, and the, the, the bikers are repelled. And it's not, again, it's not clear how many run away and how many, it's clear that they're not all destroyed, but that the stragglers are. But then that is the end for our four, now two heroes. And the original ending, yes, which it very nearly does, has Peter shooting himself and Fran jumping into the helicopter blades mm-hmm. instead of taking off. Um, and that. Yeah, we, we, we've about, got the lead ups to that because that's, that they kept those in the film. Yeah, yeah, we have Peter actually putting the gun to his head. And, and, Fran, and Fran leaning, leaning out and, yeah. Yeah. Um, we, um, I don't know, all I've read about that is that this was changed, the idea was changed during production. Hmm. Be- um, before they had filmed those actual scenes. 
I don't know how I would feel if this had as dark an ending as Night. I mean, one of the reasons I, I do love Dawn and I love the characters in Dawn, I cared about them more. The reason Dawn worked for me more, ultimately, is I cared about our heroes more mm. than I did about the characters in Night. And I hugely respect and salute Night's extremely dark ending. But I am glad that Dawn didn't do that. I think to have spent two and a half hours with these characters, or however, your cut may vary, your mileage may vary. <laughs> well, it, uh, the, the other thing that occurs to me is that um because we've had all this lightheartedness, all this comedy, it would be a much more of a wrench to kill everybody at the end. It would. And I suppose this may be... I mean, I would certainly have found it extremely memorable. I would still be living with the trauma now. Um, <laughs> would I have liked the film? I, I don't know. Oh God, I sound like I feel like I sound like a Hollywood producer. <laughs> I, I don't think it would work as well. I don't think so. I, I, in a way, I mean, I watched Dawn before I knew Night. But if you'd watched Night and then watched Dawn, you'd almost be expecting the dark ending, <laughs> and so the, that would be a nice kind of salvation. I mean, it's not a great ending. They fly off with a helicopter without a lot of <laughs> fuel in it. It's, it's Where open, are they gonna yeah. go? But it's, it's a nice open ending and it, you know, it, there's no, there's no official continuation of their story as it should be. You know, yeah. we write our own story with that sort of and thing. And looking at the bright side, the, um, special effect for the, uh, head going into the helicopter blades wasn't wasted. Uh, it's, it's that guy who get, who, who gets blown away in the police raid. Oh yes, yes, that's right. They made a head. They made friends' head, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, 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 I've said multiple times now. I feel like we've criticised all. Ultimately, what it comes down to for me is, I think Night is probably the better film, but I enjoy <laughs> Dawn more because I like the characters more. I agree, it sags in the middle, um, but I like that. I, I like you know that. I, I, I enjoyed them both. Night made me go wow. Okay, yeah. Well, that's, that's a good way of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. Well, there we go. I have made, uh, well, it's not me, but Romero has potentially made another fan. It made, <laughs> if he made you go, wow, that's more than a lot of the films we've looked at have done. Um, there we go. Thank you, the whole masterpiece thing. Um, we, oh, yes. we, we have both played quite a bit of the, of the computer game Left for Dead, which is obviously unashamedly taking, um, what you might call the popular culture zombie thing. Yes. And well, there's the an awful lot is... of Dawn in particular in Left for Dead. And th- things like the, the random notes about, you know, we went here, left on a notice board. Yes, exactly. And I, I actually, uh, yeah, I forgot to mention that, that that is in Dawn of the Dead and I hadn't noticed it. I've only noticed it since playing a lot of Left for Dead and going back to Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> um, but the fact that there is a whole, this popular zombie culture, that is, uh, zombies are an unlikely cultural victor. But they have just won. I mean, there is very little that hasn't been done with zombies nowadays, and it all comes back to night. I, I would say in board gaming, at least Cthulhu is is, is at least equal. But <laughs> in board gaming, maybe. But I I don't know about in the broader culture. There are still some people you would say Cthulhu, and they would be, huh? but a zombie. Yeah. You know. Well, I I whole. think it's a it's a good proxy for as, as I was saying, an environmental hazard. It doesn't hate you. Hmm. Uh, it's just going to kill you. I think I read a, a, an article by Simon Pegg once, of course, that, um, amongst many other things, um, Shaun of the Dead, um, and he felt the enduring appeal of zombies is that 
as a normal human, you feel like you stand a chance against one. I mean, <laughs> a, a vampire, <laughs> you're dead. Um, a mummy, you're dead. A zombie, a group of zombies, you can at least think of exit strategies. You can think of weapons that might work. And that is why it's a fun fantasy to play with. A world full of vampires, you've got no chance. And I think I, he does tap into something there, and I kind of touched on it in the mall sequence. It, it is a bit of a fantasy. Obviously, whenever we think of post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic fantasies, we've survived the apocalypse, and <laughs> we are then trying mm-hmm. to survive. That, that's and the it, classic um, survivalist thing, you know, I'm going to live through the bomb and come out and rule the world or whatever. Yeah, I, exactly. And that is the, the zombie apocalypse of all the apocalypses probably looks like one of the more fun ones. And that, you know, we've had The Walking Dead drawn out for season. Uh, in some ways, it's both its blessing and its curse, because all zombie fiction isn't really about zombies, it's about people. Mm-hmm. And to some extent, you've played through all the interactions with people that you're interested in in those sort of situations, because fundamentally it is an unreal situation, and um it ceases to become interesting. As it has to me now, I'm, I'm not really interested. You know, <laughs> Ellie, my son, um, was playing Plants vs. Zombies. Um, <laughs> you know, the, there is not a corner of, of culture that zombies have not touched. Is it a masterpiece? I, I would say, well, well influential-wise. It, it has been imitated so firmly that, yeah, that, that I wasn't surprised by a lot of stuff here. Yes. I, I had seen the imitations before, so yeah. Um, and yeah, what, well, you know, I, I'm not as much of a, fa- a fan of Dawn as you are. I, w- I would definitely say this is a damn good film. Yes. Well, uh, yeah, I think on a, just on its own terms, without anything else, it works as a film. Um, Night of the Living Dead, uh, yes, very tight. And I, I am prepared to acknowledge it is a better film. It's shorter, it's tighter. Uh, but I feel, I don't know, it, because it has a slightly narratively unsatisfying ending, which I respect. <laughs> God, I'm such a terrible human. I, I, I prefer the one with the slightly happier ending. <laughs> but there we go. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I would generally be with you there, so. I'm, I'm not, not, I'm not these, I mean, I love Lord of the Flies, so, you know, I'm not all about happy endings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that has a slightly happy ending, I suppose. Um, no, well, some of them live. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that book. Um, I, I, I would like to mention in passing uh, another film from, from the same year. Uh, this is not one that I'm going to recommend we watch, and in, in fact, it's not one I'd recommend almost anybody watch. Uh, <laughs> I Spit on Your Grave. Uh, wow. one, one of the famous video nasties. And, on one level, it is a rape and revenge film with a lot of gore. Yes. On the other, on another level, yeah, there is this half-hour rape sequence. Ugh. Which, yeah. Yes, <laughs> but I, I feel just just as an indicator of the, the sort of thing that was in the air. Yeah, I feel these were uh, uh, well. Yeah, so that's. That feels like it's a. Sh- I mean, was that there just to shock and, and create controversy? Because well, no, nobody really knows. Um, it doesn't. Ero- it doesn't eroticize the rape. Well, that's it. But that is um. So, uh, that's depressing. I mean, it, it's you, know, you have to say that yeah. because nowadays that is just a matter of. It, it's not that. a film I want to watch again, but it's a film I'm glad I've seen once. Wow. Okay. I might have to. I might have to dig it out. That's, that's been remade, I believe. Perhaps I'm thinking of a different film. Uh, um, also variant title was Day of the Woman. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, 
we will consider it. Who knew that our two Romero zombie films would be the ones that came closest to passing the Bechtel test? <laughs> by a strict interpretation, the rules did pass the Bechtel test, unlike every other film we've watched. It's just a bit depressing that that's a pretty low bar. Yeah. Um, 1978 what, uh, in the box office? Yes, that's that's what I'm waiting for, you know. It. Uh, well, no, no, no surprise that, that this isn't there. Um, number 10, one of, one of your favourite films, The Deer Hunter. God. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll just leave it at that. Uh, yep. <laughs> number nine, Revenge of the Pink Panther, the sixth in the series. Oh, uh, the, the r- six. oh that's the one without Peter Sellers. No, this, this, is, this is the final one with Peter Sellers. Oh, right, okay. okay. Uh, number eight, Up in Smoke. Well, it's Cheech and Chong. It was their first feature-length film. Oh, goodness, I have seen that. <laughs> me. Number seven. I'm not a fan. You may be. <laughs> Jules 2. <laughs> the sequel that didn't need to be made, but Jules made a whole lot of money. Why do you hurt me like this? <laughs> I don't, that's a sad because it's Carl Gottlieb writing it. It's um, Roy Scheider in it again. Oh dear. Yeah. Anyway, never mind. Uh, number six, Hooper. Um, Hal Needham, Burt Reynolds. Oh, of course, Burt Reynolds. Poor Burt Reynolds. Well, I had a whole diatribe, speaking of remembering Apocalypse Now from last night, he really didn't like Burt Reynolds. <laughs> there is a whole, there's a whole, um, you can look on YouTube about him talking about Burt Reynolds, he really didn't like Burt Reynolds. Anyway. Uh, number five, Heaven Can Wait, um, fantasy comedy. Uh, more um, of our, uh, our man. Oh my god, I've forgotten his name. Warren Beatty. Bon- well, thank you. <laughs> oh, blimey. Uh, number four, Every Which Way But Loose, uh, action wow. comedy, Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood and an orangutan. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Fair to- enough. Uh, talking of, uh, number three, Animal House. <laughs> oh, God. No, I, 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 maybe I wasn't the right age for it. It didn't hit me at the right time. But it led to Ghostbusters. So yeah. Maybe. Uh, number two, Grease. Wow. Tell me more. Uh, yeah. Let's see what I did. I was, good <laughs> yeah. I was quite pleased with that. Sorry. Um, and at number one, Superman. Oh, another Marlon Brando. Was this recorded before or after Apocalypse Now? Uh, I think it was probably recorded afterwards. I, th- I think this was, 78 was while Apocalypse Now was being edited. The, the Do you remember when superhero films were a novelty? Yeah. <laughs> wow, how about that? You'll believe a man can fly. Wow, okay. Yeah, which, which, which was a way of patching up the, the, the odd matte fringe in the special effects, which, which they'd, uh, hadn't really had time to fix. <laughs> Well, you think the tagline should have been "Please believe him." No, I mean <laughs> pe- people were saying in 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 early release they were saying, "Wait, well, it's, it's not all that convincing." So they deliberately chose that as the as the as the slogan to say, "No, you will believe." <laughs> okay. Fair enough. It's some kind of neurolinguistic programming technique. Interesting. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, there we go. With that, we finally and slightly belatedly round off the seventies. Next time, on to the 1980s, for sure. Definitely, unless we think of something else to do. <laughs> well, I mean, there are an awful lot of films influenced by this, or formative on this. I mean, did, how do you fancy a, a, a Scottish zombie Christmas musical? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, sadly, I, it's not as good as I'd hoped it would be, but it has its moments. <laughs> that is 
off and away with zombie literature and zombie films. Not as good as I hoped it would be. I, I did wonder about looking, I'm not sure we should do it on this podcast, looking at Return of the Living Dead, which is what, um, what's his name? John Russo did as kind of a counterpoint to, um, to Night of the Living Dead as he sort of lost control of it. And it's where we get the, uh, the brains, um, stereotype of zombies. Mm. If you can stereotype a fictional creature. I'm not sure though. We will talk about it off air. Next time, we'll do something. We will. All that it remains for me to say now is, they're coming for you, Roger. (laughs) 